So today, Jason, we are discussing the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And so that kind of calls to mind, what was your first job? Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Uh, And at Taco Bell, of course, turnover was high. So I worked there almost a year, which made me a solid veteran. Uh, you were a CEO by the I, end of the I day. was in charge of most things. <laughs> yeah, so the story, I, I have multiple stories. The The story that I remember the most, which is the most uh, funny, is the mm-hmm. first day or first week I was working there. Uh, they had, you know, they issue your whole uniform, you know, so you are wearing everything of theirs besides your underwear, socks, and even the shoes you have to have are specific shoes they sure. tell you to buy. So from your visor to your shoes, you're wearing their clothes. And uh, a guy came in, and he said, "I'm not. I'm not even scheduled. I'm not even scheduled to work tomorrow. But you have me. You know, have me on the schedule." And they're arguing, and he is right there behind the counter. I don't know if there are customers there, but he took off all of his clothes down to his underwear <laughs> and and stormed out. And I'm like, "Welcome to fast food." That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. What about you? What was your first job? My first job was at the recently closed Laser Quest. Uh, Yeah, I know. So sad. Uh, It was like the perfect job you could have at 16, you know, getting paid like almost below minimum wage, um, children screaming and yelling. It it was fantastic. I learned a lot from that job. I think I I gained my ability or confidence to speak in in public because of that job. Hmm. So uh, how it worked was like I was one day I was. I was marshalling a game. I was being the ref of a game, basically, in, in this big, dark, uh, foggy maze. And I hear somebody yelling out for me. And I, I go running for them. And I come upon the scene of this, like, 15-year-old girl and maybe, like, 15-year-old boy. And the boy's on the ground having a seizure. Uh, oh, and I was 16. So it wasn't like I was some, you know, like, uh, I can take charge now. And so, like, I, I was very scary. I don't really know what to I didn't know what to do really then in case of a seizure. So I, I did what I knew to do. I, I called I called it in. My manager came running backwards. The kid ended up being okay. We evacuated the game. We turned on the lights. We got the ambulance coming there. And so after, after we finally got all the people, the kids who were playing alongside out of there, my manager told me to go find the mother of this boy because the girl next to him had told him, hey, his, his mother is here. And so I go running out and I've got her name. Let's, I don't know, Carol, whatever her name was. And I'm shouting all over the lobby of Laser Quest. And eventually I find her. The ambulance shows up. So at this point she has to know, oh, there's something wrong with my my son. And so I find her. I explain the situation to her. I think he's, I think he's okay, but I'm going to take you back to him right now. And she goes, oh, am I going to get my money back? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that... That was Laser Quest. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Hello, my name is Connor. And I'm Jason. And you're listening to the Amazed and Perplexed Podcast. We are excited to begin uh, our focus on parables. And as we said before, this isn't going to be a series. It's just going to come up as we receive from you the parables that catch you, the parables that that perplex you, that amaze you. Uh, And so um, we're really excited. I'm personally excited because my wife, Heather, is uh, doing the first one. And uh, so 
I want you to listen to her, and we'll be back in a few minutes uh, to discuss kind of what, what catches her attention about this parable. Hi, my name is Heather. I'm from Owasso, Oklahoma. I'll be reading the parable of the workers in the vineyard from Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day, and he sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I'll pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came, and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same I gave as you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm so generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. What amazes me about this passage truly is the generosity that Jesus is showing. Um, and the message that he's sending to us about um, receiving the generosity of his love and there not being comparison person to person. I love that. Curious to, to know what you think. Thank you, Heather. I, I love that perspective. Um, and, and man, sometimes you take into account all the different angles of God and it's easy to kind of focus on one or the other. One of the things I always struggle with is, is generosity, right? And I, I just love how she draws out that out of what Jesus is saying here. I totally agree. It, it's really funny. As, as I listen to her say that, I'm like, I have a totally different perspective on this parable. And why? It's because I always imagine myself as the cheated. Oh, that's good. That's <laughs> I good. always imagine myself as the guy that's worked all day. And that says a lot about how I think about my life and how I think about me that I carry some some fear around, am I going to be taken care of? Am I gonna... mm-hmm. And then I'm asking myself, do I accept the generosity of God? That blows my mind. My wife is actually in the back room. I want to go ask her if she who she sees herself in this parable, and it just turns out husbands are the terrible ones and the wives are the, <laughs> are the, are the, are the, the really the heart of God. In this, yeah. I mean, we, we already knew that, but no, that's like, and I would just encourage you because when you said that, I had never even contemplated that, and now I'm, I'm recognizing, oh, I totally see myself as as the one who's been, you know, busting his, his hindquarters all day working. Uh, oh, man, that I don't like how that makes me feel. <laughs> right. I, well, I totally agree. You know, you'd mentioned you're, you were less than um, oh, uh, uh, minimum wage clo- when you were sure. working at, at uh, Laser Tag. Well, it's interesting. What was your minimum wage? What was it? I think it was seven twenty-five. Okay, my minimum wage was three thirty-five. So I'm the cheated one in my hours of labor per yes. pay. You know, 
And and that's it, and it's not even to make a point against you. It's just that idea of even as you're telling that story, my first thought is, I bet I got paid less. Mm-hmm. I bet I got cheated more. Sure. And I'm like, why is that important to me? Well, that you know, my mind goes there. I can think of, I can think of dozens of stories where. I was the one who worked harder at my job, who I, you know, I put more effort in or I did this and I did that. And I watched those lazy bums, you know, rest and do nothing or do less than me. And now that I'm trying to think about it, I know they exist, but I I have blocked out in my mind the times where I've been the lazy bum. Mm. I have blocked it. Oh, man, that that is very convicting. And I don't like that. Oh, gosh. So so where I'm so based on especially what she said, I'm thinking about. Um, this idea of how how does Heather see the generosity? Like, where is the generosity? And the truth is, based on this parable, number one, nobody's earned it. Mm-hmm. Nobody's earned it. Um, and that and that's challenging to me. And it, it's funny because I'm like, I'm not works based at all. Yeah, but I have earned what I <laughs> have here. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I'm a walking contradiction in that way. But it's that idea, yeah, the generosity of God is nobody had a job before God came on the scene, mm. you know? And I think that's just so valuable, and he, his, he formed it, the, the, whole, the whole story, so sure. if, we're, if, we're, if, this is a true, if this were a true story happening, he formed it on, here is what you're going to receive. Mm-hmm. It's only through me comparing myself to you that I feel robbed. So that's going to get kind of, it's kind of stepping on my perplexing feet here a little bit, in a little bit. But I heard somebody say one time, what would happen if the landowner had paid the ones who got there first, but he still paid them all exactly the same? Like if they had got their money and just walked away, mm-hmm. would they, like, would there have been this big conflict? Would there have been this, um, this, this come to Jesus moment, if you will? And I, I think about, I think about the, okay, so the realities of our job and the fact that we get to do things that help provide for our families and put food on the table and allow us to do cool things and buy things that we have no right buying. In my instance, you know, coffee that costs way more than it, than it ever should. And if I think about those things, if I think about the reality and I think about the insurance, the benefits, everything, everything all around it, then I honestly feel like, oh man, I'm kind of Am I, am I cheating my employer? Am I like, am I fully giving, giving out? But when I see the other person, you know, slacking off or I see the person who isn't trying or doesn't care, uh, my, my joy is immediately stolen by, by that comparison. And I, and it's, it is amazing to me the way Jesus frames this perspective just before this, he'll talk about the last, you know, the first being last and um, last being first. But, and so it, it is a theme in the parable, but you just, you see what we would be able to do if he reversed he reversed it there. That's right. So so for me, when I think, it's interesting, when I think about, because I, I try not to think about what amazes me until we read the scripture, you know what I mean, before we actually sit down to record this. And so now it's so dominant. Uh, the message, what really amazes me is I've always felt negatively about this parable. Mm-hmm. That That's what amazes me, that if I would have been there... I would have, I, I fear, you know, well, because I feel it now, I would have only seen the injustice, and I would think, I'm amazed that you think this story is helping. <laughs> like, that discourages me. Like, like I'm immediately, maybe I'm such a slack, I'm immediately, well, then I'm going to wait till the day I die. Oh, certainly, working, yeah. You know, and, and I'm like, I'm kind of amazed with Jesus about all the parables, and we talked about this generally in, in, in the par in the podcast last week 
but I'm amazed at him not being more focused on what I perceive as fairness. That that's what it is. I, I'm just the reason I've always seen this negative is I'm like, where is the justice in this? Um, where is the equality in this? Mm-hmm. And and that I think, yeah, that's what really throws me and really opens my eyes is I've been assessing this from a totally humanistic point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's really good. So for I did a little bit of reading, and apparently there was a pretty popular parable told by um, told by some Jewish thought leaders at the time, and it was basically the exact opposite of this. So you have a landowner, and he has two workers, and one worker is just he he's he's going ham he's going the extra mile he's working as hard as he possibly can you have another worker and eh, not really trying that hard kind of slack and being a little lazy and in this parable at the, at the time for for the jewish people the the diligent worker was the um was israel basically and the lazy one the one not doing the work for the landowner was the gentile and the diligent worker received more of a benefit than the gentile and so what amazes me about this whole passage is so much of it is subverting expectations and reversing common tropes not of the, not just of the day but even into our current age and what i think is really fascinating when we find it we talked about it a little bit before when we find ourselves in the perspective of the person that received the blessing and didn't do anything to earn it we're not like very rarely are we like well what about those other people who worked more than me and get you know very rarely we're going to call that out but when we find ourselves in the perspective of the person who has been cheated or, or not cheated, person who has worked longer than the person who hasn't worked as long, we feel much more um, angry. We feel like we have a much bigger call for justice and that there's an equity here that needs to be solved. And this is an amazing thing that I think there are certain patterns and, and cycles that our culture goes through. But I, I just want to kind of call up like a really positive aspect of our culture right now. And it's actually very Jesus-like. The fact that we have a culture that is, I mean, and sometimes it gets unhealthy, but is obsessed with other people besides themselves receiving justice is a great thing. And it's a particularly Jesus thing, I think. Um, Now, sometimes I think the manifestations of it, does it go right? Yeah, absolutely. All, All the disclaimers. But I think the reality of like our personal lives, how often are we the, how often are we focused on the injustice of this how often are we focused on injustice that doesn't affect ourselves um and so yeah i mean all of that's just incredible to me yeah i'm just gonna say guilty i I think i think that's so right is uh, i'll get really passionate about something but at its root it's something that bothers me Mm -hmm. you know now i like to think it bothers me because i think it's hurting people or it's not productive for people or whatever but I just have to own the fact that the thing, the injustice, there's a billion injustices going on. Mm-hmm. The injustices that pop up are those things, those injustices that bother me. And what, where I go a step too far is when I say the injustices that bother me and consuming need to be the injustices that consume you. That yeah. That's where the pharisaical dynamic comes in. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think it is just, this whole dynamic is fascinating and and it, oddly, it's very new to me. Like I'm I'm really rethinking uh, this whole this whole parable from that vantage point. Yeah. Um, I've got something. I don't know if it fixed and perplexed and amazed, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it here. And then you know, in what way are we making this doctrine and not allowing it to be a parable 
or is that not true? Like, so, so I'm like, so we haven't mentioned in our discussion of parables, the adage I've always heard, you know, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, Mm -hmm. you know? And when I talked last week about making parables too quickly, moving it to doctrine, um, I think that maybe what has tripped me up is I take this as, you know, don't be consumed with not getting equal pay, and then I feel resentment. You know what I mean? That's not the doctrine. That's not the message he's trying to convey, I don't think. Sure. So I don't know if that fits with amazed and perplexed, but if it's not, then what? Then what? No, that's... That's really hard. That's that's really good. I feel like if you're gonna draw out, if you were to draw out a lot of doctrine out of this, there'd be a lot of, be a lot of interesting implications. So the fact that all the workers got paid. So like, yeah, some people got paid later. Some people got paid the same amount for more more work. But the fact that they all end up getting paid, and the fact that these men grumbled and complained and were angry with the landowner and got paid, you could draw some pretty some pretty drastic implications to what that would mean about. Yeah. yeah. Let's put words to this. So are we saying, are we believing not you and I, but sure. generally speaking, this is good business practice. You need to hire mm-hmm. a bunch of people and pay them different wages for per hour, you know, functionally uh, that you set a salary, but then you overwork some and you under, that's not, that's not what we're talking about. That's not what Jesus is talking about. That That's honestly how I felt about it because I made it doctrinal. You need to be okay when you're cheated is the message I've got, you know? Um, so that's a good example. It just jumped out at me right now, out, out, yeah, out at me, that my problem with this is I made it doctrine too quick. Instead of putting it, what is this saying about heavenly truth? Um, and it's not that I couldn't give you words before that would say, well, this is heavenly truth, but I didn't apply it in that way. This is one of those passages that is, it steps on a lot of people's feet. It goes so contrary to everything we esteem, everything that all the kingdoms we try to build here and now, it goes contrary to every single one of them. It says something so fundamental about how different the kingdom of heaven is and, and what it looks like. And I think one of the things that it's always helpful for me to, to draw on here, one of the main implications of this is every time I get dissatisfied with where I see the church going or my country going or my family even going at times. This is such an amazing perspective for me to come back to and say, like, listen, even if, like, let's say you were to live your life in this upside upside down way. Are you at a place, are you at a place in your walk with, with Jesus to where living like this would actually be better for you? Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. I was just coming up with it as I said it. Well, no, I, I think so. It occurs to me while you're saying that and what I was saying before, at the root of this, and this is really critical, and, and, and what makes it more amazing to me is God is not talking about anything on earth. We have to tell, God is not talking about, hey, if you're, getting, if you're doing the same work as somebody else and you're getting less pay, you should just shut up and enjoy it. Everything hinges on who is the master in the story. If God's not the master we're talking about, you can't fully trust that master if they're being deceptive to you. If if you're not doing that, you need to ask those questions. You know what I mean? But if God is doing it, if God is the one in this, he's saying, I will take care of you. I will give you everything I need. We can't lose the quality of God. 
you know, in this story and create another God that's this master. You know what I mean? Jesus is saying the kingdom of God, the master has to be God. Sure. I, I think we, that that's, and he's saying God has abundance for everyone. Don't compare yourself. And when he comes to the end, he says the first will be last and last will be first. Uh, what I think that really is, certainly is speaking to me right now is the dynamic of you will be so discouraged if you keep trying to evaluate your standing with God by comparison. You will be so discouraged if you continue to, to it's like what David's saying, why did, why are the evil prospering? This is speaking to that mindset that I think most of us have, you know, why isn't our world doing better? Why isn't our church doing better? Why, why, why does that other church being blessed and we're not these kind of things? Mm-hmm. And, and this is very much what Jesus is speaking to. Do you trust the father? Do you trust the master who is God? That, that at the end of things, these people weren't saying now we can't afford our food because you paid them more. Mm-hmm. They were saying, I expect a surplus in comparison to that person, and now I'm not receiving what I thought I would. And Jesus, and, and there is the, the message, do you understand I'm working on an economy you don't even begin to understand? But the key there is the master is trust, trustworthy to give you what you need. Man, that's fantastic. And I think kind of playing off just what you said there, using landowner um, as a in a parable was, was a very common thing during that day and age um, to represent God. And the fact that in the story that Jesus tells, you have these people grumbling against God. You have these people questioning, asking God, why are you mistreating me this way? And in this story, God is responding. God is giving them grace, even I mean, he's giving them grace throughout the whole thing because they didn't even deserve it to begin with. But he's giving them the grace to respond to them and to answer them. I think, man, that that is so amazed and perplexed. It's so man, it is so vital in my walk that we have a God that not only does he give more than we could ever ask for or more than we deserve, um, more than we deserve. He is also, (laughs) he also listens to my grumbling and complaining. And that like, when you even begin to think about all the religions throughout all human history, the fact that we have a God that doesn't just smite us on the, uh, at the moment is, that's pretty incredible. That is, that is amazing. So now let's hear what perplexes Heather. Um, What perplexes me is how he uses our sense of injustice, which I think is also God-given, to show us how off we can be in our own sense of justice uh, by comparison to grace. And... um, so I just wonder what you guys think about that, this picture that um, I think we're given this sense of justice so that we can recognize injustice, and yet that sense of justice is not uh, the ultimate standard by which we should live. I'm going to let you, since it's your wife, I'm going to let you address that, because that, that's an absolute um, haymaker that I I don't know. That's a brain breaker. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's really good. Um, so in some ways, when I reflect on on our conversations to this point, we're we're dealing with this. Mm-hmm. It's just she frames it with different words. So thank you for that. Um, thank you, Heather, for that. Um, yeah. So so let me just state it in, in in ways that that will come out of my mouth. So the concept is God gives us a sense of justice. Mm-hmm. 
and then we notice injustice. And then when people point out the injustice, he says, you don't understand justice. Mm. You know, basically, because justice is, I made you a promise and I followed through. You shouldn't be comparing yourself to other people. And then he's making the even the more, the bigger point, because when he gets down to the end and says, like we were saying before, you know, first will be last and last will be first. We love saying that. First will be last, last will be first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody likes living that. You know what I mean? I, I don't need to be first, but I don't want to be last. You know what I mean? And if I'm always last, and especially if I deserve to be first and I'm always last, where's that, you know? And so, so to me, he, here's how this hits me. So I would share that, that that also is perplexing. That he, and here's the key is, he's not talking about something he had witnessed and he's having to make sense of it. He's making up this story, mm-hmm. you know? And yes, I know there are other stories in Jewish history that, that maybe he's using to play off of, you know, but he's making up the details of this story to bring us to a tension point, mm-hmm. you know? And I, 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 I want to keep going back to in in I don't know where our text was last week. Matthew thirteen talks about this, but this idea I share parables so that they won't understand. Yeah, you know, and how confronted that is when you really think about it. And and we concluded that the reason is he wants us to dig mm-hmm. because it's not about just show me the five steps and let me move on. It's about a relationship with him that we grapple with. That we're con- that we're in a relationship that we're asking him questions that we let him teach us that we're open mm-hmm. and we're not dishonest we're not trying to hide when we're afraid we're not trying to hide when we're when we're uh, sad or disappointed or overwhelmed by something or angry about something he's saying yeah let's talk you feeling angry let's talk about that I'm the one that gave you those emotions now let's talk about it and I and I think this is the key the very fact that he intentionally brings us to that justice point this isn't incidental he's not in heaven going oh I never thought about that <laughs> yeah he he did this on purpose to make us wrestle with this concept. And and my ultimate answer is God's justice isn't our justice. Like we conceptual, this is like all aspects of God. I understand mercy, but I don't understand God's mercy. No, that's good. That's really good. One of the things that's always been really obvious in my life is I am acutely aware when somebody has wronged me. I mean, I, 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 I can go back and find in my memory so many times where somebody has wronged me um, emotionally, financially, financially, financially. Uh, I can find it where people I love. I can find it where people I hate. I can find it at my job. I, I mean, I can do it any day, any time of the week. Man, I'm having a hard time drawing this out. And maybe this is maybe this maybe just I'm just gonna put this in the podcast. I my brain is struggling to to find and this is maybe what God is trying to do. My brain is struggling to find the box of where to put what Heather said because it is so because my mind is just going to so many different things. I'm going to um social justice and I'm going to um the, the what justice would look like if God gave our uh, gave us over to what we would have deserved and and man my my brain right now is like it's just racing trying to find a a category and maybe this is the whole point of the parable is that i i can't find a category to put this in and it's driving me crazy as somebody who wants to intellectualize everything that i experience the fact that i can't put how i feel about heather's response to this in any sort of box that i've had history with it is so perplexing and it's upsetting and it's upsetting in a good way. Cause I, I, I know this is what God is after with me, but, but man, like I just, I, 
my mind is trying to grasp on all these straws and I just, I, it can't do it right now. And that's, you just, you just witnessed an interesting moment. You witness hearing, um, you witness an interesting moment, amazing perplex history. Usually when I kind of trail off into nothingness, I cut it out to make myself sound smarter. You be the judge on if I succeed on that. But I, I think right there, I think it's, I think it's really important. I just, I don't know. I'm throwing my hands up and not in a, like I'm defeated. I'm never going to think about it way, but I'm, I'm done right now trying to, to figure it. I'm done trying to put it in, in a box in my mind so that I can sort it away and, and be okay with it. I'm, a, I'm reading back through the text, but I'm wondering, so is Jesus offended that they ask him about it? You know, it, which is a different question. Did they get it wrong? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so... And a lot of this is tone of voice. In verse 13 of Matthew 20, it says, friend, I didn't cheat you. I paid you exactly what we agreed on. Now, I could read that, friend, I didn't cheat you. Mm-hmm. You know, I paid you exactly what we agreed on. Take your money now and go. Now, I have in the NIV an exclam or the CEV, I guess I'm reading from, I have an exclamation point, but we know there's no, you know, uh, what do you call that? punctuation punctuation there you go it's the hard words oh anyway what's my name again anyway but but there's no punctuation so so the interpreters are are reading this as very emphatic and and it may be i i'm not Mm going to suggest i understand greek take would be the operative verb there um and go take and go so if that's written in in an emphatic way Mm -hmm. uh what businesses of yours so so it does sound offensive i'm just trying to reason with how does this fit with other things we know about god when we're in complex situations. And again, back to that backdrop of Jesus is telling us this, because this is what he says about all parables, so that we will dig, mm-hmm. so that we have a deeper conversation. We'll say, God, this doesn't make sense to me. Can you explain this to me? And at times he does. Yeah. Like with the parables, at times he'll say, hey, the sower does this, and the sower does this, and this is what this, this, this. But most of the time he doesn't. And if we parallel ourselves with the apostles, we're like, I don't get it. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you don't. You ready to go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that's, no, no, I, I totally resonate with everything you said. Oh, that's, that's really good. So what perplexes me about this passage is how laid bare I feel by this passage and how, how laid bare I feel like humanity is in this passage. The fact we, we drawed on it earlier and I talked about it being a little bit of my perplexed category. The fact that if these men who felt like they were cheated had been paid first and they didn't even really know that these other people got paid the same amount, they probably would have been okay. They probably would have been fine. They probably wouldn't have complained. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that is just so, so human and it's so me, the fact that humans can have their joy snatched by comparison in just a moment's notice, even when materially they didn't have anything change about their life, is just, it's so, it's so us. And what I love about this this whole parable, Jesus subverting all these expectations and all these tropes. And even inside of the parable, he's doing that exact same thing. He's taking, it's, it's really mind blowing to me. Actually, when Jesus talks about the people who have been laboring all day, who've been working really hard, the good people, the people who have been doing their job this whole time, he, and he lays bare how, how broken they are, how degenerate they are, how in need they are of of his grace. Man, it's just, it's so um, confronting to me. It's so perplexing to me. Yeah, I the grace of Jesus, the grace of Jesus is both amazing and perplexing. 
I can see it in myself. I can, I can, when Jesus gives me grace, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's my dude. That's my guy, man. I, he is just so loving. He looked over the thing I did here. He looked over the thing I did there. He looked over, you know, when I cut that person off in traffic earlier today, he looked over when I, uh, he didn't look over. He, he forgives me for when I, you know, when I was short with my wife and man, he's just great. But then when you wrong me or you hurt me or you do something wrong, Jason, and then somebody says, well, you know, Jesus forgets Jason. I'm like, that guy, that Jesus guy. Uh, and it's What a troublemaker. What a troublemaker. <laughs> this is how those conversations started. <laughs> So I was talking uh, with a guy that's going to record one of our, our parable segments in the future, and he was talking about, his name's Parker, so be watching for this, but he's talking about this parable he's going to share with us he's been working on for years. And it's interesting because I've had this experience so much over the last few years that I'll be reading through scripture and I'll hit a phrase and I'm like, I don't know what that means. And I'm like, but I know I've re- I've even memorized verses, and I realize there are segments I don't even know what it really means. And yet in my mind, I didn't ever say I'm going to take some time and just talk with God about what it means, and and let Him teach me, and and let Him lead me to to resources. I'm going to dig into the Greek maybe and dig into commentaries, but but also just however He wants to shed light on this, you know. And I've I've done it all my life, mm-hmm. where when I see a, a scripture that doesn't immediately speak to me, then I just like, it's like it's white noise. You know what I mean? And, and I'm like, why is that? If all scriptures God breathed, why do I ignore such a big chunk of scripture? And I think I've done this to parables where it's like, like you were saying earlier, I've just, when I can't figure out a box to put it in, I just put it in an A box, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't label the box and I don't look deeper into the box. I'm just like, that's that parable. And then if, if you give me an assignment to teach it, I'll be I'll re, I'll refer to something general mm-hmm. like yeah Jesus is going to bless us all in heaven so to the person that's converted a, a, on their deathbed yay for them and yay for us because heaven and but I'm not digging into the heart of it and how it really impacts me and the the net effect is I'm not excited by that verse I'm not intrigued mm-hmm. by that verse I'm not drawn back to that verse it's just, I've read that before and I've heard Christians all my life say I've read that before you know, I don't even know why I'd read the Bible now. I've read it once. You know, I mean, I've read it through, and I'm like, huh, what's happening there? And I wonder if what's happening in me is what's happening in general is this idea of we've been taught to ignore the parts that ignore that that that, that intrigue us or or perplex us. We've been taught to ignore that mm-hmm. because it's unsafe. Because what if I can't come to a conclusion really quickly? What's that going? What if I have to study this passage ten more times over the next twenty years? Yeah, you know. That means you're engaging with God. Yeah, I would I would definitely say that somebody being perplexed over a specific passage is much better than them ignoring it or being white noise to them. Mm-hmm. Man, I think man, I I think about the passages that I've really struggled with. Um, you know, the slaughtering of the Canaanites in the Old Testament mm-hmm. and um and God hardening Pharaoh's heart. Um Ananias and Sapphira. Like I mean there there's so many things that I I really there's so many things I've really struggled with. I think there's many signals that God tries to send us in life, in scripture. And I think one of the one of the things that we feel passionately about is one of the signals that Jesus sends us, what God's one of the signals that God sends us through scripture is when something 
when something pricks up against us, when something doesn't land right or something doesn't fit into a box that we want to fit it into, that's an area that God wants to speak in. In fact, I think we've talked about this before in terms of uh, behavior that we don't want to submit to God or uh, relationships that we don't want to submit to God. The one thing that we usually don't want to focus on or we want to hide from God is usually the area that God wants to work in the most. Mm. And I think that's probably the same thing. The same is probably true of scripture, that the area that we want to ignore, the area that, man, we're really not sure what to do with it is an area that God really wants us to plumb the depths of. I think that is so powerful. And and I want to point out something in conversations with people about doing the parable, uh, you know, doing what Heather, Heather did uh, for us today. One of the things when I have an honest relationship with a person that they will say is, I don't know if I have anything to say, right? Like there's, there's fear. And because I have good relationship with people, I'm like, Hey, where did that start for you? And it started in church. Invariably it started in church. They, I made a point. I've had several conversations along these lines where like they made a point one time and the message they received from the church leader, the class leader, whoever, was like, uh, who do you think you are asking that question? Mm-hmm. Like, like even asking the question was within itself an offense. And I think this is not me trying to condemn anybody. I'm saying we have to reclaim our God-given right to sit in Scripture. Tim, my co-preacher that I work with, said this on Sunday. It was so good. Based on John 5, 29, where he says, you search the scriptures thinking you're going to find salvation there, meaning you're going to figure out all the answers and do this. No, you should be searching the scriptures, sitting in those scriptures, looking for me, not looking for conclusions on issues or, or better arg- argument fodder, but but you're in scripture saying, God, work with me and build this relationship with me and teach me and how relationships are built. If you think of the people you're close to, it's because you endured hard things together. Invariably, that that's true. You endured hard things together. One of the hard things we need to endure with God is saying, I don't get this. I don't understand. And and him not bringing quick resolution. But we trust him because of any number of reasons I could throw out there. We trust him because he ultimately will provide exactly what we need. And if you live long enough with God, if you as a listener have lived long enough with God, you know that to be true. But if you haven't, I encourage you, borrow my hope that what you're going through right now, misunderstanding of scripture or trouble in life or looking at the world and say, what is going to happen here? I'm saying this is what we're working on in Amazed and Perplexed is to is to bring us a practice of sitting in the midst of that trouble, not saying, God, where's my answers and where's my conclusion, but saying, God, let's build relationship here. Uh, I'm, I, I want to keep and knowing God wants to be there with you. Man, we thank you so much for listening. If specifically what Jason just said um, rings true with you, if you have a passage that you really struggle with in scripture and you're not really looking for us to figure it out for you, but you've never really told anyone that you struggle with this, I just want to encourage you, reach out to us, tell us about it. Because, I mean, there's there's so much power in, in sharing that and being honest with the struggle and, and going going through the walk and having knowing somebody knows that you're going through it, man, it is just so helpful. And man, if you want to contribute like Heather did today, you can find out how to do that by going to amazedandperplexed.com. Thank you, Heather. You did a fantastic job. And we're really excited because if we hadn't had Heather do this, then my mind wouldn't have been completely blown uh, today. And so I'm excited. Uh, And don't feel like you have to like leave me dumbfounded or speechless, although it's not that hard to do. Uh, But man, we're so excited to, you know, if this is just one part of what we did, Man, we can't wait to see how God is going to use your voices to 
selfishly change our lives. Yes. Grace, peace, and love.